Hi, hello, and welcome to Oh Boy, the podcast presented by Man Repeller. I'm your host, Jay Bume, and today's guest is the musician and activist, Tennessee Thomas. Um, we had a great talk um, all about her time playing in the band The Like, and we talked about her current space in the East Village called the Deep End Club, which functions as a uh, community space slash clothing store. Um, I really enjoyed uh, hearing her story, so let's get into it. What was what prompted your move out here? I moved out here when my band broke up. Okay. The like. The like. Okay. Yeah. I remember, you know, because I actually also worked at Nylon Magazine. Oh, there you go. We you did guys a loomed, lot of nylon Yeah, you guys loomed large. We did. We, um, I mean, just made of nylon, practically. <laughs> <laughs> we had a brief column, but it didn't, we weren't really taking anything seriously at that point. Right. Which was fun. But, uh, yeah. No, Marvin was very kind to us. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you grow up? I grew up in England, uh, just outside London. I lived there till I was 14, and then I moved to L.A. when I was 14. Okay. What was, what was that like in England? There. Um, Were you was it more like oh, country it was, or it suburban? Was super suburban. Yeah, like yeah. seven miles outside of London mm-hmm. in a very quaint suburb. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, my walk to school. It was funny. Years later, we made a record with the like in the little town where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And when I went back there, like with my, you know, American friends, they were like, ah, oh, now this all makes much more sense. <laughs> like my storybook walk to school, like past actual deer and like yeah. toadstools growing practically. <laughs> um, they were cool. like, oh yeah, now we get it. It was quite an idyllic childhood. Very magical. Yeah. How do you think that shaped who you are? Um, well, it was very nice. It was very nice. So you were nice. So yeah. I mean, naturally, coming from that kind of environment. Of course, of course. Um, well, I was very lucky, I suppose, to grow up in a, in a nice place like that. But, yeah, it was funny being thrown into the L.A. thing when mm-hmm. I was 14. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it was, like a, it was like a dream scenario. We have, in England, there are these really hard exams that start when you're, like, yeah, 14, I guess, you're, you have to choose your GCSEs, which basically, when you're 14, you kind of have to choose like, your life. what your life, yeah. Yeah, because everybody knows when they're 14 exactly, exactly. what their path's going to yeah, be. Yeah, you kind of narrow narrow down the subject, and mm-hmm. then a couple of years later, you narrow it down further. And I can remember looking at this list of subjects and just being like, I'm not ready to narrow <laughs> this down. Yeah. And I was really scared. I don't, also don't like, I mean, don't really like tests and stuff, so I was worried about that and then (laughs) you escaped and then that I feel like that night my dad had my dad worked a lot in LA already Mm -hmm. um and he called up and he was like I've been offered this job how would you feel about moving to LA (laughs) and I was just like (laughs) the clouds (laughs) opened and there was just this way out and I was just like uh Let's go! Bags I'm ready. already packed. And Let's ne- hit it. Yeah, and the next day, the teacher was like, "Okay, so what? What? What are your subjects going to be?" And I was like, "I'm moving to LA." And everyone's <laughs> just like, "What are you talking about?" And then a few weeks later, I was gone. Yeah. <laughs> and then I arrived in LA, and I was like, Hollywood sign, 
sunshine and 14 years old and zero friends <laughs> and I was like okay we got out of that but now now what yeah the yeah. reality kind of of that was a bit a bit much and it took took me a minute to find my find my place there but the best thing I could come up with doing to to make some friends was starting a band so. right like what like posting a flyer in your school or like um well I, I really liked music and going to gigs and stuff and then where did that come from um well my dad's a musician mm -hmm. so I kind of grew up knowing that that was an option I guess like it's like a real thing that you can do it's a real thing that you can do and when you're yeah and when you're 14 and you're trying to get out of going to exams it's like I was already I was kind of you're figuring ready. it yeah. out I was like okay what do you do Right, and when did you stop going to school? Uh -huh. Like, put it all, putting it, putting together the pieces. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, and that seemed like a fun, a fun thing to do. But I went to an all girls school as well. In when LA. I, when I moved to LA. Okay. That was my choice. Weirdly, I, I think because I'd been in England, I'd been at an all girls school with a uniform, and and then when I arrived in LA, everything was so different that I kind of chose a school that was similar. Just so there was one constant thing right. yeah I was like looking at all these different high schools and some of them in LA you know are like couches in the classrooms calling your teacher by the first name like you don't get grades and, and yeah and some and then some other schools were just so big and like there were so many and I, I was just kind of freaked out so I ch just chose this school that kind of resembled my other school so you moved out to LA and that's when you started high school yeah exactly. oh wow that's wild yeah yeah, it was pretty crazy. Were you happy to be there, ultimately? I think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it was like landing in a movie, yeah. you know. And when you've grown up, even in England, you grow up watching all those films and then you're suddenly in one. You're like, uh... And, and it was kind of fun being the English girl. Oh, you know, of course, people right? People thought I was all exotic, which was... You know, you can't. Nobody, nobody hates that. Of course. But, um, Did that eventually run out? No, it's okay. still, You're still doing riding the accent. That train? I mean, I shouldn't have it anymore. I've been here for like sixteen years. <laughs> what is this accent? It's completely right. fake. Right. Um, but I was like, it's working. Okay, I can be. I can be the English girl. <laughs> yeah. So, but because I was at an all girls school, I was like, okay, we also need to figure out how to meet some boys. Mm -hmm. This is in LA now. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like. Okay, I think if we start a band, then we, that might happen. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the yeah that's the key, right? <laughs> what you were playing drums? Um, yeah, I I played the piano when I was a child. My dad's a drummer, and he was like, mm. "You're not going to play the drums. You're going to play the piano. You're going to learn how to play the piano." So I was kind of forced to play the piano, and I was really bad at it. Mm -hmm. Like dreaded it every week going to the lessons and it just didn't it just didn't happen it just it didn't, didn't take, come naturally yeah. you know? and then I kind of being at an all-girls school there was there was like a drum kit in the school band but no one was really playing it and I was sort of like let's see I might be able to figure this I've out seen these around the house yeah yeah and I'd been sneaking and kind of and there were a few bands I liked there was one band I liked when I was a young teenager that had a girl drummer and I and before that Which I had band was that? It was kind of a pop band. They were called The Cause. The Cause. They like yes, Irish. yes, they're Irish. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But my art, you know, when you when you're a young teen and you see a girl playing the drums for the first time, you're like, 
oh, girls can do that. Right. Sort of, I didn't really think you could, you know, you don't really think you can until you see someone else doing of it. Of course. And I really, I thought that was really cool. So I, so that was kind of, I started playing the drums and then. Was your dad, was he stoked for you or was he? Well, he, he'd sort of was like, what's happening? But, you know, <laughs> I think, I think he, he was secretly probably pleased, but it yeah. was, it was fun. And then, you know, and he never, as opposed to other things where um, he, you know, I think I think when you're taught something, you know, if you go to piano lessons or whatever, but with with drumming, I never had any lessons, and I it all came from me just wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think he he never like forced me. He was never like you have to practice this thousands yeah. of times, <laughs> standing um, like a whiplash style. <laughs> yeah, which I think you know we always end up liking the things that no one forces us to like. Well, yeah, because so. that's what you're drawn to. Yeah, yeah, it's fun when you can, when you're just doing it for yourself. Exactly. Yeah, and then so. So I started playing the drums and then I had a friend who was a little bit younger than me who moved to L.A. around the same time. And we'd known each other since we were kids because our dads worked together. And so we were both new in L.A. and neither of us had friends, but we really liked music. So That's cool. she picked up a bass and we were like, yeah, we could, let's start a band. Come on. Mm-hmm. And then and we, it was just that simple. <laughs> and then we put them. But we didn't. We were just silly. Yeah. And then. We put the word, and we were like, we need a singer or whatever. And then uh, everyone sort of said, there's this girl called Z. So we met her, and she became our singer. Oh, cool. And the three of us, yeah, we were, I was 16, and they were 15 when we started. And and then by the time we graduated high school, we built up a, enough of a thing to, to sort of, we signed... We signed a deal and while you're still like in high school, just when we graduated. Okay, yeah, it was crazy. We Things were really seem to young. happen to you in like in like uh, very, the timing. Like, it's very like... it's wrapped up very nicely. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, we're gonna start high school in LA. <laughs> high school's done. We got the record deal. <laughs> I know. And you look back at these moments and you go, "Wow, I, we didn't realize how lucky we were." You right. know, being that young, you sort of you go like, "Oh yeah, we can just do whatever we want," and then reality kind of hits you and it's it's been an interesting yeah we that phase is now over but like yeah we we did it for 10 years wow we were a band for 10 years that's amazing um what was this do you guys remember the kind of music that you guys first bonded over um we had our second band practice z's parents were out of town and we were like at, at her house and it was adorable. We had a sleepover and we like cooked, we baked a cake and then we all fell asleep in her parents' bed listening to Nico. Mm-hmm. So that was a, that was a cute memory. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty adorable. That's awesome. <laughs> was there a path that you wanted to follow? Did you know that, did you just know that you always wanted to be a musician or was it just something that you started this band and you enjoyed it? So you're like, I'm just going to keep doing this for a little bit or what was going through your mind? Um, yeah, I mean, that was probably the most fun thing I could imagine doing. I think I also really liked the Spice Girls mm-hmm. when I was <laughs> really young no girl. Shame in, there's no shame in the no, Spice Girls when game. You, when you look at the Spice Girls yeah. when you're like 11, you're like, okay, that's a job you get to do. Mm-hmm. Travel around the world with your like best friends having tons of fun. Okay. Did I'm going to try and do that. Did you guys get to tour all over? Yeah, yeah we really did. We really did. How do you look back on that time now? Um, it was amazing. 
Yeah. It was really, really so much laughing. Mm-hmm. So much laughing. And we we sort of made this girl gang like all over the world. We, you know, made all these amazing friends in London. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was... And then touring and playing festivals. You know, you'll be in Tokyo with like all the other bands and we kind of found the girls like in the different bands and became really good friends with them and yeah it was really really fun that's cool pretty amazing what, looking back also you know what were what were the what were the tough moments of you know trying to be in a band as your job it definitely it it was it's always really really fun when you're playing shows and when you're in the studio right. and which is such a small part of being in a band. Small part of it, yeah. yeah. And then the that hard t- hard times when you come home and you don't like have a home, so then you're like trying to figure out, yeah, how to convince these kind of geriatric men that this is meaning something to young girls, and they just need to trust you. It's quite hard to do that when you're kind of only a teenager yourself. And and when we started, it was kind of before the internet thing happened in the way it has. Like, you you couldn't really connect to your audience as easily. Mm-hmm. So you kind of were still relying on these labels to... To get you out there. Get you out there, And yeah. those, like, outmoded ways that were on the way out. Yeah, and still relying on, like, a manager or, like, a publicist to get you the press to do... I mean, all that stuff. To get stuff. on the show, to play the late night show, to like... Yeah. I know, it's so wild. It's so different. Was there anything, you know, looking back on it, was there anything you would have done differently? Um, we spent a lot of time opening for other bands mm. when we started, which was which was fun because you can kind of rely on them to pull the audience in. and But at the same time, being being an opening band for a really long time is hard because you don't... They're not there to see you. Right. It's like you're, people are walking into the venue. Yeah, you're trying you know. to win over a crowd every night and you don't really know who who your fans are. Like who's connecting with you, yeah. Yeah. And we'd always hang out like at the merch table afterwards and try and connect to people, but it was it was different. But it's funny because now I have a shop mm-hmm. um and we and it's really fun just having an open door. And it's kind of like being at the merch table, uh-huh. having a shop. Yeah. And it's sweet. Like, girls will come in and be like, I saw you play in, you know, like 12 years ago or yeah. whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's fun having that open door and, like, actually getting to talk to people. Connecting with the connecting people. Connecting with yeah. people, yeah. That's cool. And so when 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 did you guys realize you were kind of done with it? Well, we had about seven years into it. We had our original bass player left and we mm-hmm. were, we made, we had made a record that didn't come out, mm-hmm. which is really hard because it takes, you know, it takes all this time to make a record. And then we were just like waiting and they kept, the label kept trying to tweak it and being like one more song, one more song. And it was years and it was. It's I mean, really debilitating. It's yeah. terrible. It was awful. Looking back on that, like this sucks. Um, and our bass player just kind of was like, enough is enough. You know, she, she had to, she couldn't, it was too much. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it was really hard and it, and it could have ended at that 
moment. But then we got like a kind of last chance thing came up where um, this producer guy like sort of believed in it and managed to convince the label to give us another chance. But we, it was kind of like starting a new band in a way. We um, we really rethought the whole thing and, and because our bass player was gone, it was kind of like starting another band, right. you know. But it was me and, me and the singer and then we got two other girls. We added a fourth instrument and made that record which had quite a different vibe and then we did that for a few years um which was really fun and you know also just doing the same being in the same band for that long like we obviously changed a lot between the ages of that's a long time 10 years is a long time and 24 or whatever we were when we made that record yeah um and so it took a new form and shape which was really fun it was really kind of inspired by um, Motown and was had a very 60s aesthetic, which I was really excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a manager that kind of just went, just go completely 60s, which as a project was really fun. It was almost like um, making a film that was like a period piece or something. Right. That's to, cool to sort of discover that you like doing that. What were the things that you were kind of pulling as influences at that time? Or like, what were the things that were getting you excited? I mean, the girl groups, like sixties girl groups, big time. And, and the producer that we worked with had, had um, just made that Amy Winehouse record, Mm. which was kind of changed my life again. Is this Mark Ronson? Yeah. 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 Okay. But when I heard that record, it was just like, Oh my God, you can make a record that sounds like this. And like, I mean, it was just so, so inspiring and really mm-hmm. changed. Like we'd made this record that didn't come out and then got, we're getting really into all the girl groups and stuff around that time. And it was like, oh, we'd love to make a record that sounds like that. And then met Mark and he had seen us before and I I played him the record that hadn't come out. And he said, you know, it it was quite slick and in a kind of LA, you know, major label studio way and it had kind of sucked the life and energy right, out where, of like, it they just there's too many cooks in the kitchen just yeah, like or overthought just, or, like, or just when they correct everything and yeah it, it had lost its life and he'd seen us play and he was like you're a fun like band you just need to record that and right. put that record out and um he went into the label and sort of said give him another chance and then he introduced us to the dap kings and that whole world oh, which okay. was just like amazing to f- record to tape with just like one mic on the drums everything bleeding just right. like an actual band we sort of hadn't met a producer that just said you're allowed to do that right so. but it was hard because our other my original bandmate and best friend charlotte like wasn't there so we were you guys still friends um yeah 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 all still friends. But, That's good. Um, but yeah, and then we, so we made this record and then we had to kind of find some other girls to to be the band. Um, mm. And, but we put it out and that was really cool and and great. But, you know, again, then you're at the mercy of the label and management and you, you're on tour, like working really hard and you think the label are doing everything Their they part, can right. and then, it's like the reality of that is so different and and just 
always putting things in other people's hands it's so hard then when it doesn't pay off in the way they need it to you kind of you're left in this awkward spot like a limbo almost right yeah and it's so expensive being a band I mean we were touring like in we did some tours in America just the four of us four girls in a like van Mm -hmm. um driving ourselves around and it just it's still like just the gas and the hotel it costs so much money and then you're trying to connect and then you're trying to make ends meet and we were still young you know so it's really hard to sort of have a business mind when you're not you know it's hard to hard to do do it all right (laughs) i know no i know it's really amazing like you know to even get there yeah yeah and then you and then it's sort of like you've only got so much time and looking back it's like yeah you could do things differently but it's it's also it's just hard to meet people you know managers and business people that can make it work for them as well and Mm -hmm. yeah it's a crazy crazy journey but we certainly learnt learnt a lot. So when you guys it. when you guys decided to kind of end that project, did you still want to make music? How are you feeling? I mean, at that I moment? was very heartbroken because yeah. I didn't want to stop. I would have kept trying, but you live, sleep, eat, and breathe that thing <laughs> yeah. for so long. You know, yeah, it's crazy. And and without it, I was really had no idea what I was going to do next. So you were, were you feeling lost at all? Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> but then you're like, uh, and then one of my friends was like, uh, was like, move to New York. Uh, let's start this project. And it was enough of a sort of idea. To, what was the project? She was thinking of starting like a, a fashion brand, mm-hmm. but it, that didn't end up happening, but it was enough to like get me out here. Yeah. And then when we were on tour, we'd started, um, like after shows and stuff having you know you have like an after party or something so gotta have an after party gotta have an after party and i sort of took it upon myself to dj right um, so you could hear the tunes you wanted to hear to start yeah controlling yeah. that uh-huh. aspect of it as well um so i started djing when we were on tour my band had done quite a lot of like playing shows at fashion parties right. or whatever so we'd met quite a lot of people in the fashion world and they continued kind of saying, could you play this party? And I was like, well, we've broken up. And they were like, do you want a DJ? So that kind of became a job. Yeah, it's, a, a, good, it's a good way to, to, you know, to keep the lights on. You oh, know? my God, it's amazing. Yeah. And it's a lot easier than schlepping your drums around, <laughs> just showing up with a few records. Ugh, I know. I played the drums, too, when I was a kid. Like, and I was always just like, and, you know, and now I'm like, my day job is like a filmmaker. So I'm just always just schlepping gear around. Yeah. It's just like my life is just going to be spent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's no fun. It's insane. <laughs> but then, so then when I moved here and they, uh, they were like, you can be a DJ. And it was totally enough to pay the bills. And I yeah. was like, uh, that is another, like, gift from God. What are you talking about? Yeah. That's amazing. What a miracle. And and so that when I first moved here, that was great, and I was managing to just continue to like waste the rest of my time doing God knows what. Right, right. But was feeling uh, lost, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was really interesting because at that moment, so I'd been like living in the '60s with the music and like the fashion side of it, and then when I moved here, Occupy Wall Street happened, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and. Um, feeling a bit lost and a bit freaked out about 
what was going on in in my own world and in the world in general, um, I got really, really excited about that. And I think I think part of what I loved about the sixties was the kind of message and the mm-hmm. and the youth sort of movement and like and revolutionary tr- spirit yeah. and and I think that big change that happened in the sixties was interesting to me on you know couple, that level yeah. as well um so I started going down to Zuccotti Park yes. quite a lot and kind of connected with a group of people through Occupy that um was really brought a lot to my life and, and was really so? fun well, we started, I guess it was it was a few artists and filmmakers and writers and just I, I think it was just interesting to um, learn more about various issues mm-hmm. and figure out like how art could tie into that and, and help raise awareness. On. Right. And we started, I mean, it was kind of like, it was called the Awareness Experiment and mm-hmm. it was this group of 12 of us and we hosted a few events on different issues oh that's so cool um yeah and and I met so many amazing people through that and and then we kind of segued out of that into making these little PSAs actually with one of my friends who's a a filmmaker who'd done on the music videos the really stylized 60s videos we'd like work together on that oh wow and then she and I and a couple of other friends made um, a few PSAs using music. Like we found songs that um, like resonated with an issue. Like we did Leslie Gore, who sang like "It's My Party." Yeah, yeah. You don't own me. You don't me. own me. And we used "You Don't Own Me" to um, in I guess the 2012 election. Wait, did you did you do this with uh Sarah Sophie Flicker? Yeah, Sarah Sarah Sophie Flicker and Max Miller. Okay, I just I just interviewed her like yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we so we did that one and then we did And wasn't the, Leslie Gore in it? Yeah. Oh, dude, that's so awesome. And that what was that like from, meeting her? It was amazing. I my other my friend in London Leith has a magazine called Lula. Well, she had a magazine called Lula. Now she has one called Violet, and she um, kind of, I guess I'd mentioned this friend of a friend knew Leslie Gore, and she was like, interview her, and I was so, and I've never done anything like that before, and I right. was so nervous, you know, just to be meeting a hero of like course. that. Um, and I went uptown and like sat in Le Pan Quotidien with her and interviewed her all about her life. And she was so nice and amazing. And it was such a cool story. She was 16 when those songs came out. And yeah. she, you know, it was a parallel to kind of your experience. So interesting yeah. hearing her take on the whole thing. And, um, and then when we were thinking of doing a PSA about women's reproductive rights and the that election it was like Mitt Romney was really trying to the Republicans were really trying to change all that stuff yeah which is obviously ongoing but um but there's some good stuff coming yeah you know you can get birth control over the counter now in Oregon I think it's gonna be California soon too amazing those aren't big things but they're still things I mean it's crazy yeah there's so much going on (laughs) but uh and then we asked her if she'd endorse the video which she did and was in it and then she was in other ones we did subsequently we did a one with Joan Jett 
using bad reputation and we did like an anti-fracking one and we did a an earth day one and this all came from you kind of getting involved with folks down at Zuccotti Park. Well, I guess Occupy I met Sarah when I moved here, but yeah. and she's so inspiring and right. and doing all that stuff. But um, that's so cool. Yeah, it was really cool, and and then I just really enjoyed. It was kind of this conversation that was happening all the time about all the issues, but I thought it'd be fun to have a space where we could host little teach-ins. Like a clubhouse. Keep, kind a of clubhouse. Yeah. And then I put that out there to one of my Occupy friends and he said, oh, I know this woman that has a shop that's looking for someone to help with it. And so I got this shop space, like storefront in the East Village, kind of miraculously. Yeah. And... um and I've had that for two and a half years. Now. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So what kind of stuff have you been doing over there? Um, well, we had a girl who um, hasn't taken any plastic for two years. Oh, we wow. had this amazing, she did a really amazing teaching sort of explaining how, how you can avoid plastic. She hasn't sent anything to landfill for two years. Wow. And she taught us how to make our own toothpaste. And... Um, my other friend is really passionate about recycling and all that stuff. So she did a teaching. We've had Sarah Flicker and her one of her projects she works on is a thing this... called Lady Parts Justice. Okay. Uh, there's a group called the Wolf Pack that do. We're trying to reverse Citizens United, and a guy from that came and did a teaching. And then it was interesting because we'd already been learning about that as being the root of a lot of the problems, mm-hmm. and then. Bernie suddenly started talking about that and he's running for president. And we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And Bernie Sanders obviously also has a lot of the same uh, Occupy messages, um, which has been really cool. So we've been hosting a lot of Bernie Sanders related events. We're having one on Saturday. Yeah, so how how can folks find out about events and teachings and stuff that you're doing? Um, I post everything on our Instagram, okay. which is the Deep End Club. And then we also have a website, thedeependclub.com. That's a, that's a good name. <laughs> what, what, is there anything meaning behind it? Um, well, I threw myself in the deep end uh-huh. because I started a shop with absolutely <laughs> no products. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow, miraculously, every month we managed to just have enough, like, to pay the rent. So. Yeah. That's so, cool. but did you did start eventually selling things? Yeah. Well, I said, so I got the space and when I first got it, the price was kind of too good to be true right. and it has gone up since a lot, but, um, but it was enough to just be like, I have to take this and, right. and try and figure it out. And then I sent out this email to like everyone I'd ever met saying, if you have any, any, uh, if you've made anything you want to sell in this shop or, and having, you know, over the years met people you know clothes designers and artists and mm-hmm. and also I was really inspired by all the well 60s boutiques I suppose but then I, I'm also a huge fan of like Vivian Westwood and Malcolm McLaren and how they tied everything together with a shop yeah um, and having like a you know a band and and the fashion thing it's like it's all kind of tied in mm-hmm. and and um so so then, yeah, we started selling things made by local designers and we have little art shows. And oh, yeah. And my other friend moved to New York, um, who's an illustrator, and she um, helped me 
do like a logo and start designing some kind of merch similar to having a band it was like okay we need merch so we you got to keep the train running somehow yeah. you got to get you got to put gas in the van exactly we've got we've got the merch now and yeah. we just started making our own clothes i have a friend who's a designer and he kindly helped me make some he made some patterns for some sort of dream little outfits and we've just started yeah this like mini collection but it's more like merch it's mm-hmm. like I'm I kind of always wear the same thing so it's fun having a uniform and then it's like okay this is the shop uniform yeah so we've just done a few dresses and a suit and some t-shirts well, that's awesome I, I I feel like you know Manhattan New York needs a lot more of those kinds of things you know like it's so important to have those spaces for these ideas to like coalesce around you know yeah I know and it's hard I mean it's it's hard to even think that's an option when you look at like how much rent is and oh yeah it's kind of impossible but um there are still little pockets to be found still though. little tiny just, you pockets. just gotta look you gotta look you've got to look and be and diligent got about to put it, it out there because yeah. someone might know someone and yeah but every month it's like like my rent just went up and it's just like oh my god this is insane i know um but you gotta keep going gotta keep going we also just started a shop band which is extremely fun my friend was like you know what's really missing she's like we need to probably set up and just like jam in here yeah so we were like sitting in the window jamming which could maybe be the most fun thing that's ever happened so fun that my landlord just told me that i'm not allowed to play the drums in the shop anymore. (laughs) do you guys have access to a basement maybe but the fun of like playing in the shop like people are just walking in interact and we were just like make you know jamming like making it up as we go along sort of inspired by what who's walking in it was very very fun that's awesome is that the first music you've been playing since you guys split up as a band um no i've also played with a couple of other um people and i'm i'm also playing in a, a project with a another friend that's cool so music's still yeah constant that's great yeah that's been really fun playing music again as well and also you've done a little bit of acting as well (laughs) um not really acting but playing i was in a film where i played the drums Uh so i think yeah there aren't that many still there aren't that many girl drummers so but it was amazing because the girl so i was in yeah this film called scott pilgrim and with michael Sarah. with michael Sarah. So I was in a band called The Clash at Demon Head. I had a bionic arm. Mm-hmm. And the girl who was the singer in the band, Brie Larson, just won a Golden Globe. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, that's real cool. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, how much has your initial ideas and goals of what you wanted to do changed from when you started to now? I mean, I just can't believe it. Every day it's like just I've been yeah, so so lucky to get to do all these fun things and with the shop and stuff it's like I hadn't really looked ahead enough to imagine anything so my expectations weren't anything I was just like wow this is amazing instantly um it's really fun now having yeah made a few clothes I just we just did like a, a photo shoot my friend um wearing the clothes and and so that's fun to kind of have that that's the the next thing I guess that's cool Maybe we'll make some more clothes. That could be fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it all costs a lot of money. Though. I know, like, it costs so much money to I'm get like, it uh, done. Like running out of money. <laughs> like, okay, and then to make more things, 
to it's hard to like think ahead enough to be like okay you have to spend money to make money that's a mm-hmm. new thing <laughs> I'm like because with the band thing we were lucky we're like can you give us money to do that but my other bandmate I think was a bit more business minded than I am so I'm like okay how do we whatever we'll try and figure it out <laughs> what do you uh what do you wish you would have known when you started that you know now I don't know <laughs> maybe that's the key that's maybe the key that's right the key. there you know you seem to have like a great disposition through kind of just like you know you know kind of just like floating around and being open to all these things and you know there's a certain freedom to your story like as you're telling me that sounds really exciting yeah yeah i've been it has been i've been very lucky well what's uh you know you talked a little bit about you know you want to you're going to be doing a clothing line and you know but you know what else is next like where do you see everything going for you where do you want to go what do you want to do i know that's i don't know yeah you don't really think when yeah when you're in your 20s you sort of think you're going to be young forever now i'm in my i'm like 31 Mm -hmm. i'm like Oh, what do we meant? What's what are thirty-year-olds meant to do? Dude, I gotta say, like I, I'm in my thirties too. I love it. I really do. Like I feel like so much more in control. Yeah. Of things, you or know? you just know who you are a bit more. Yeah. And you're, you and you're can, cool with that. You can be cool with that. Yeah. I know. I was just talking to my friend, um, who's also thirty-one, just before I came here, and she was like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna change my way to." suit other people in the same way it's like i know you know no i'm just i'm me and i'm gonna do my thing and you if you like that you can be my friend if you don't then that's okay yeah that's awesome (laughs) um yeah i don't i don't know what's gonna happen next okay (laughs) i think that's a great place to end it tennessee thomas thank you so much thank you yeah